All right, here with Jeremy Jackson. Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Thanks You've been for sober me, how many years now? Coming up on three. Congratulations. Yeah, 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 Congratulations. Appreciate it, man. And uh, you guys, you and uh, you're the owner of Beyond Blessed, which you guys tell me a little bit about that. What you guys do? Well, uh, you know, I've been practicing breath work for uh, about eight years now, and I was working in treatment centers uh, a while back. Life got busy. Life got crazy. I drifted away for a little while, and uh, you know, I I came back to it recently. Trained some people. I got some facilitators underneath nice. me, and much you know, like other aspects and areas of your recovery life, the community just lifts you up, man. Right. It's, it's given me a, a job, it's given me income, it's given me a place to be of service. Yeah. So that's, you know, every day, three, four times yeah. a day, I'm out there with a group of people and, and I couldn't be happier. Love it. And yeah. you and Ellie have a great reputation in the industry and uh, <laughs> you're starting to get a buzz going around and we're, we're doing some good things. Definitely man. ask you to guys to come over to South coast and do some stuff for Thanks. us. I would be honored. Yeah. So the purpose of our podcast is just to bring people on and you have a pretty fascinating story. I've heard parts of it and I've read parts of it online <laughs> and, uh, Watch out. you know, thank you for coming on and just wanted to, to, uh, bring you on and learn more about you and hear your story. So Thank just you, let's start out like how you grew up, you know, where you were born. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost, thank you again for having me on the show. You're really welcome. appreciate it. And thank you for carrying the message. Thank yeah. you for getting the solution out there, for reaching out to people to help other people's stories connect with people who may be hurting or lost and or um, just create a higher vibration of the people that are Absolutely. doing good. Let Absolutely. them know they're not alone. Absolutely. You know, a life beyond your wildest dreams Absolutely. it's not a fantasy it's not a fairy tale it's very real it can happen yeah so yeah yeah so yeah. you're killing it i appreciate yeah. you man. thank you thank yeah. you for saying that uh born and raised in orange county you know i was born in anaheim moved to newport beach when i was about six single mom um oc kid man born and raised okay yeah all right so you came up in orange county you know went to, did you go to high school here or? i did uh newport heights elementary school okay and about third grade I started getting so busy with um, acting jobs, right. you know? So I was a real ham and a real character. I was driven as most of us addicts right. are, you know? I, I often tell people that, uh, you know, attention, accolades, right. um, confirmation was really mm -hmm. kind of my first drug of choice, man. So how does a kid get into acting? How does that happen? So you know, none of our family members were in it, the entertainment industry. Okay. You know, my mom didn't know much about it. She was going to community college to keep our uh, welfare going, okay. you know, so we were on, yeah. on housing and, and food stamps and all that kind of stuff. Single mom. My dad was a drug addict. She was trying to escape me having to experience that. So right. she was running away from that, trying to protect me mm -hmm. on her own, real strict Christian parents, not a lot of support. Right. Gosh, looking back, it's like, man, 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. Me at 20? Yeah. I can't, she did so good. Yeah. Holy smoke. Yeah. But anyway, she's at college at, at OCC, and OCC there's a little thing on the, yeah. Yeah, on, the, on the bulletin board. It says, Child Actors Wanted. She's like, well, my kid won't stop entertaining. It's right. all he does. Yeah. And a little tension snob, you know? Right. So she just called the people randomly, just shot in the dark and turned out that agent was the agent of the Olsen twins okay. screeched by on saved by the she had all the successful kid actors she wasn't a, a hack she was the right. real deal we just you know 
golden goose kind of stepped in it accidentally yeah boom i started going on auditions at six years old um so they just throw you up there do they give you any classes or no i just walk in there i didn't need classes man i'm i'm an addict i'm an overachiever dude i (laughs) saw michael jackson and elvis presley i watched knight rider and i was like okay that's what cool looks like right i have to act like that right I need that power. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's eye contact, shaking the hands, being adult, right. you know, look cool, do cool. And, right. and I never had a dad. So when these, when I would go into an audition, you know, when these men were telling me, hey, son, yeah, okay, stand on that mark. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't, I was listening. I was tuned in. Yeah. I've been practicing in my bedroom by myself, accents, costumes, choreography. I was driven, obsessed even from a year old. So when I finally got the chance to right. do a good job, because I wanted those, I wanted this. Mm-hmm. You're a good kid, man. Right. Good job, kid. Yeah. I wanted that approval so yeah. bad. And boy, oh boy, that was my first drug. I got it, man. Yeah. And I needed to keep getting a hit. So I just started cleaning house, dude, just knocking them down. I did 60 freaking commercials by the age of six, oh, but wow. by the, from six to nine. Wow. I was working. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you're working. And so when you're doing that, you don't go to, do you go to school or how does that work? I was trying, but you know, the first summer where the Mattel commercial I was on came out, Mm -hmm. Hot Hot Wheels, Mm -hmm. here I am with the color racers Mm -hmm. and I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that kid. And then Frosted Mini Wheats commercial, that was the same uh, summer. Right. So every kid saw my face between every cartoon. So when right. I go back from second grade right. to third grade, yeah. they pretty much hate me. At Newport Heights. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So a lot of fights, you know, right. a lot of gossip. Then right. the girls are clamoring and the right. guys are hating. So right. I'm an outcast early. Yeah. You know, I got problems early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you feel that, and then what? So how did so what, how did that progress? What, so well, what happened with school? I got too busy, so yeah. it was homeschool. It okay. was a lot of private tutors on the set. You know, for a while, Newport Heights sent me uh, my homework for the week. I was going to mm-hmm. be gone for a week, so they give me the homework, and then it just got too complicated. Yeah. So I did homeschool. Okay. Yeah. So you did homeschool, so you didn't have that normal going to school like Far normal kids. Yeah. You're on sets and yeah. Yeah. So, so then and traveling, you know, um, private tutors, a lot of real world kind of education. I'm hanging out with adults. I'm over here in business conversations. It was definitely a different type of education. Do you feel like you missed being around other kids or did you think about that at the time? You know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, it's a two sides to every coin, right? I'm hyperactive. I'm dyslexic. Right. I'm, uh, you know, they gave me this you know, clinical diagnosis of gifted learning disabled. So they mm-hmm. wanted to put me in gate all day, the accelerated program, and they wanted to put me in special ed all day. Mm-hmm. I was already going to special ed, I think, a special day. You right. know, the, yeah. they wanted me in the trailer on the field right. all day, and then yeah. they wanted me with the, the advanced kids. They right. didn't know what to do with me. Right. So I'm getting uh, attention deficit disorder. I'm getting in trouble. I just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I want to, I'm, I'm, you know, I want action. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it probably saves me from a lot of heartache, right. you know, and I'm more of an experiential learner. So I was out there probably doing what was best for me, honestly, right. but right. high school dances, proms, never been to one of those, you Didn't know, happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. right. And so that's that you started getting more and more jobs acting, yeah. Yeah. right. And then, um, you were on the show Baywatch, yeah. correct? Yeah. So tell me about that and how that happened. And 10 years old, man, I'm out there and we're in, uh, where was I? I was in Irvine, swimming in the pool, playing with my friends. You know, my 
my mom's girlfriend, they had sons my age, and I'm having fun. We're, you know, doing what kids do. And my mom's like, you got an audition. It's that lifeguard show. Right. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go. I'm playing with my friends. Right. like, no, it's the Knight Rider. Right. The Knight Rider could yeah. play your dad. Right. This is a big deal. We got to go. I was still kind of mad about it that I had to not play with my friends anymore. Right. But we drove out to L.A. My mom's car's catching on fire on the way out there, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, boom, there's, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's in that room. Will Horniff, the guy who was on the show Lassie. I mean, you name it, all, all the you know, child actors that are in my age range, they were there. It was a big job, a series right. regular on a TV show right. that was going to go pretty big, right. right? It was a serious audition. I got it, beat everybody out, and probably because I was a beach kid, mm -hmm. you know? I already had sand in my shoes. Yeah, I already Newport had beach kid, right? sun yeah. streaks in my hair, yeah. you know? That's, I was already boogie boarding every, so when they're like, can you swim? I'm like, what stroke? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I can yeah, backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle, yeah. what do you want? And they're yeah. like, oh crap, yeah. we love you. Yeah, yeah, so you got that, and that, that became it. your life for? Yeah, for 11 years, you right. know. So from yeah. 10 to 21, you did yeah. that. Yeah, okay. And I released two albums. Uh, in that time, I had a couple top 10 hits, mm -hmm. World Music Hall of Fame inductee, performed in front of 15,000 people chanting my name, all that Michael Jackson, yeah. you know, uh, manifestation, all that visualization right. that I saw back in the day, it happened for right. me, man. I was doing the Elvis thing. Right. I was getting off the plane and they were waiting. Yeah. I was like, wow, I've yeah. definitely arrived. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when did, when was the first time you, was it in that period you had your first drink or your first... You know, what was, man, uh, probably around, around probably, I mean, be totally honest, probably by like three years old, four years old, I was mixing our household chemicals. Oh, wow. Bleach, ammonia, pine salt, comet, peroxide rubbing alcohol, I would grab them and hide them. Mm -hmm. I would close the door, put a towel under it, and I would make different concoctions mm -hmm. to see which one would like blow up, melt the, the Tupperware. Yeah. Um, definitely discovered huffing, yeah. you know, without knowing it, mm -hmm. but also just the excitement of doing what I was told not to do. Right. No, no, that's, that's dangerous. No, no, yeah. don't touch yeah. that, it's dangerous. Yeah. Why is it dangerous? What, right. what do you mean dangerous? Maybe right. I want danger. Right. Maybe, maybe you're hiding something from me. Uh -huh. Maybe these adults have something figured out. I see you smoking right. stuff, drinking stuff, having a good time. I'm not having a good time. Right. I want to have a better time. Right. <coughs> so I'm mixing household chemicals. I also stuck uh, bobby pins, forks, knives, and tweezers in every outlet of our house. No matter how many times I shocked myself, I blew out every outlet in our house. Don't touch that. It's dangerous. What do you mean? Yeah. Maybe it's a portal to another dimension. Right. You know, <laughs> I want yeah. to escape this life. Yeah. I need to be somewhere much better. Right. And I'm going to figure it out. I don't, nobody told me, you yeah. know, nail polish remover. I was, I tried smoking cigarettes probably by six or seven or eight, you know, latest yeah. did nothing. You know, I was yeah. like, it's not, I mean, it makes me feel kind of gross, but yeah. it, it doesn't make me feel good. So I started dipping them in nail polish remover. You know, it's kind of strawberry, right. acetone, chemicals. I'm like, maybe, and I'm waiting for them to dry and I'm smoking them. I, maybe, there, yeah. maybe there's a new level. So always a new level for me. Right. Always trying to do it. And um, 
you know, I'll, I'll do it all until I find what works for me. Right. Nobody showed me how to get high. Nobody right. told me that that existed. I just had this sense within me that there was something outside of me I needed to find right. early on. So eventually there was a lady who, you know, I smelled this funny smell from her car whenever she came home from work and she left her windows down. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I go rooting through her car. And How old were you when that happened? Probably 10. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. got roaches in there. Right. And I'm smoking her roaches. Right. It wasn't long after that that I broke into her house when she wasn't home, right. found her stash under her bed, and just started occasionally pinching that sack. Yeah. You know? And that was cool. Then it was cool because I had weed, and then other people, older kids, were like, oh, this little kid's got weed? Right. Heck yeah. yeah. What's up, little yeah. homie? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're a G. Right. So, I mean, it just... The progression, man, started right. pretty early for me. Right, right. Yeah. And so did it start having an effect on your career and your acting? Or Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, I'm a, a thrill seeker. I'm a dopamine junkie. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I get a high just sneaking out of my bedroom window when I'm a kid. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, this is, right. I, I could get caught. I could get a whipping. I, I, maybe I'll go find some, you know, who knows what I'll find out there. So I'm right. just doing anything. And, uh, you know, of course, Mom's very protective. Mom right. loves me. Mom right. wants to protect me. And I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. She's against me as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, of course, that was painful. Painful mm-hmm. just trying to get this woman to give up on me. Mm-hmm. Leave me the F alone. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? I just want to go make messes. Right. You won't allow me to make... I want to yeah. do it. I want to do it all. So, a lot of strife there. Um, a lot of anger there. A lot of disconnect connection there a lot of running away running away Mm -hmm. from home Uh, a lot of hanging out with older kids of course getting in trouble with older kids doing what older kids are doing right and probably by 12 years old now the checks are coming you know and i'm stealing them Mm -hmm. so i'm stealing my checks and uh i'm i'm basically paying for companionship i'm buying people's friendship and time um and doing what older kids are doing because most 12 year old kids aren't doing what I'm doing. So right. I need to find the ones that are. They're 16. Yeah. You know, they got a car. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm buying gas. I'm buying the smokes. I'm buying the booze, right. whatever it is. Check it out. I just cashed a check for two grand. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. So stealing from myself, stealing from my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm looking to get in as much trouble as I can. I'm looking to right. do everything I'm told not to do. Yeah. Yeah. When's the first time you really got in trouble where it had, you had some consequences? You know, I mean, I got, I got uh, probably about 12-ish, 14-ish, somewhere between 12 and 14, we broke into this schoolyard snack shack at Lincoln Elementary School, mm-hmm. and we were hanging out in there, uh, eating their candy bars, smoking weed in there, and the cops came, and I got, I got pretty busted. Uh, had a couple knees in my back, you know, got treated pretty poorly, mm-hmm. like a like a criminal, doing what criminals do, and I'm yeah. all upset that I'm getting yeah. treated like one. How dare yeah. you? Right. Don't you know who I am? That was pretty scary, you know? And of course, they told me, my teachers looked me in the eye and said, you're going to end up in prison one day, yeah. you know? I remember this teacher, she was so mad at me. I just pissed everybody off. Yeah. Confused, you yeah. know? How, why? Why? I just yeah. want to have fun. Right. You know? Um... And that was pretty scary, um, man. When I was, when I, I probably started going to rehabs at fourteen, 
So okay. here I got to work on the show, and I've mm. been running around drunk, smoking weed. I'm pale. Mm. Me and my buddies got wasted. We shaved our heads, and I'm supposed to be this golden bo- surfer boy with mm-hmm. locks, and I'm 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 pale, puffy, and I got a buzzed head. Like, yeah. what's happening to you? Right. You know, mixed with puberty, I look yeah. like trash, mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to be the, <laughs> the mm. golden boy, beach boy. So. Uh, go to rehab, clean up my act. At 14 is the first time you went oh, to yeah. rehab. Oh, yeah. Okay. Clean up my act for the winter time so I can patch it you know, back together. And that created quite the cycle of tearing it down, building it up. Tearing it down, building it up. Tear- so it's, it's party my face off all winter, go to rehab. It, it became a routine. I would just go to rehab 90 days before I had to work. Then we'll go see the wardrobe stylist. Then we'll go see the hairstylist. Then I'll go see the esthetician. I'll get my face fixed, maybe a tooth fix that I broke or what have you. So it was this very extreme lifestyle of tearing it down just to put so it So your back teenage together. years, you'd go to rehab, oh, yeah. you know, and you'd, you'd intentionally get in rehab just in time to get back to work. From 14 to 20, I did that okay. until I was busted at 20 years old for manufacturing methamphetamine and looking at 35 years in prison. Okay, so you're, you're working, you're, you're, you're a TV star on Baywatch yeah. cooking meth. Yes. Okay. Turning down million-dollar deals. Turning wow. them down. Nah, that's not the one for me. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Yeah. Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore. The movie was written for me as the lead role. Oh, like, yeah. Just doesn't sound like a hit to me. I'm going to pass. Right. You know? And uh, I'd rather party. Right. You know? Right. Uh, at that time, I had cocaine was pretty cool guy's drug back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to the Playboy Mansion. I'm, you know, dating hot chicks. I've got limos. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I got this pack of friends that are eating off me and, I'm happy to give it all away, you know, because I just want to get that big night. It's not that good, that perfect night. Right. The obsession, right? And uh, after some time with Coke and a little ecstasy here and there, some pills here and there, but I was was pretty much a Cokehead, man. Mm -hmm. And I I thought it was kind of distinguished, you know. It it meant power back then. Right. If you had a big bag of Coke and young and all that, it was, you were cool. Right. Or at least I thought so. then uh, ran out of Coke one night, man. And this girl had uh, candy. She said, I got candy. to do some of this candy. Does anybody know what she's talking about? Yeah. Candy? What's candy? She's like, you know candy. And my buddy's like, I think she's talking about meth. Yeah. And I go, Matt, like, sp- like speed? Yeah. Like the, like the toothless trailer park people stuff? Right. Oh, no, dude. That's yeah. not me. You know? Yeah. I don't do that stuff. Right. That's bad for you. This, yeah. this Coke's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, withdrawing yeah, from the sure. coke, couldn't get anymore. We were out of town. There was nowhere. I remember yeah. wanting to strangle people because I, I was convinced everybody was lying to me and yeah. that people had coke. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. But I'm not snorting that stuff, mm-hmm. dude. Nah, it's, no, no, no. I'll smoke it. I'll mm-hmm. just to try a little smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, she became my girlfriend for about two years. Yeah. And we're talking about a big, fast, hard downward spiral. Right. I mean, more pain and misery than, than I ever would have bit had i known the consequences right you know that stuff had me just blind right you know and so i threw everything away i mean i didn't even want to answer my phone i didn't want to do anything i got in with a pretty rough crowd out in la you know needless to say i've been shot at uh held hostage attempted kidnapping actual kidnapping guns in my face in my mouth been involved in multiple stabbings 
um, home invasion robberies done to me, home invasion robberies I was a part of, all the yets, you know, mm -hmm. all the stuff you, you would never do or yeah. could never imagine yourself doing, they all yeah. materialized and manifested yeah. in my life. So back up a little bit. At 20 years old, you got arrested for manufacturing methamphetamine. Yes, by the Newport Beach Police Department. In Newport Beach. In the city of Yorba Linda. They okay. were watching me. Okay. They had a whole little sting operation on it. Okay. Little Hobie from Baywatch out there cooking meth. Right. And this is And the, I was. This is the end of your Baywatch career. Oh yeah. So I quit Baywatch with my middle finger in the air at eighteen. Okay. I said, Screw you guys. I have okay. been up for five days. Okay. And I was trying my best, man. Yeah. And it was my, I couldn't move my mouth right. Right. I couldn't linguistically pronounce my lines. Yeah. You know, I had that mumba, that lazy tongue thing going. From Coke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just locked up. Oh, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Yeah. So, you know, rather than get on it, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. Right. I'm going to blame it on you. Right. You're an asshole. Yeah. You know what? You guys have been using me. Yeah. You guys have been underpaying me. I'm the reason people watch this show. Right. You know, and good luck doing it without me explaining why I'm not here anymore. Screw right. you. Yeah. You know, I get more fan mail than anybody. Yeah. Which was kind of true at the time. Right. You know, second maybe to Pamela. Yeah. But. Here I am, I walk off the show, and they, they called me. They were always trying to get me back. I came back and I did a little bit um, when I was 19, uh -huh. whole, the whole like one episode to yeah. help them explain. They yeah. like, gave me a juicy offer. Yeah. And then I came back again um, about 21 when mm -hmm. I, had already, I had gotten sober at that time. So okay. uh, I left the show, man, and uh, did nothing but party. Yeah, that was two, from eighteen to to twenty was really nothing but yeah. ripping, running, and that and was math. math. You yes. still got involved in math. Yep. And so what happened? You got arrested and charged with that, and yeah. went to rehab again. Is that what happened? Went to act of providence, man. You know, yeah. luckily I had a hundred grand stashed, and uh, you know it was it, it cost every red cent that I had to go to jail for ninety days mm -hmm. and rehab for six months, okay. and. Uh, three or five year probation, I forget. So, because it was kind of my big first offense like that. Mm -hmm. uh, was I cooking meth? Yes. Was I cooking meth for a large sales operation? No, it was mainly for me. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I had gotten pretty much ripped off, beat up, lied to, yeah. con, stolen from, sold, cut so many times. I said, screw it. I'm going to just fig figure right. it out. Yeah. You know? Um, and that was real scary, man. I yeah. mean, these cops knew me. I'm, right. I, I've lived out here my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I remember they looked at me, man, and they said, uh, they said, look at you, kid. You know, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You, you could have anything you want right now. What are you doing? I remember I was so high, my, my upper lip was stuck. I can't, you know? Mm -hmm. My mouth was so dry. My upper lip was like stuck to my teeth. And I, I thought about it. I actually took a second and thought about it. What am I doing? It's an interesting question. What yeah. am I doing? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm this far gone. Right. I'm this deep because of a whole bunch of just one mores. Right. That's gnarly. Mm -hmm. It was, I, I just thought it was going to be one more. Yeah. I just thought it was going to be one more. One more time. That's, <sighs> how we, that's what we chase, right? And so, I said, I'm yeah. an addict. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. At 20. That's yeah. why I'm doing this. And that's when you did the sobriety light bulb come on that time when you went at all, when you went to rehab? I and stayed sober for 12 years straight. Oh, wow. After that day. Okay. Yeah. 
right. Luckily, the the jail and the rehab kept me on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. for a little while. You yeah. know, after I completed that stuff, I went home for about a year. Went through a huge depression. I mm-hmm. I, I slept all day, you know, peed in bottles all night, watched cartoons, Your called first year sobriety, party chat lines. Time. I okay. was. You yeah. know, really depressed. Yeah. I did not get involved with the recovery community. I did mm-hmm. not seek mentorship. I knew if I left the house, I was the jumping off point. Yeah. I, I knew I couldn't keep getting high, but yeah. I had no idea how to live right. without getting high. Right. I felt like if I walked out of the door, yeah. dope was just going to fly in my pocket. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. I knew I would just do it. So yeah. I didn't even want to leave the house. Yeah. And that was pretty gnarly. And my mom kind of, uh, she really forced me to get out and met a couple people mm-hmm. that uh, are the people that I try to emulate today. Right. A couple guys around my age that they just, they didn't even call, dude. They yeah. showed up at the house with a couple energy drinks, yeah. smoked some cigarettes on the lawn, and yeah. refused to leave until I got out of bed and went with them. Right. So we just go shoot pool sometimes. There you go. We'd go for a surf at, yeah. at sundown sometimes. Yeah. You know, we'd go sit on a park bench and read some stuff that did not make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but they wouldn't leave me alone. I had no idea what was going on, but they did. Yeah. And they kind of nurtured me through a very infantile stage until I started to get my feet underneath me, which brings yeah. about a whole new set of problems when you think you got your feet underneath sure. you, you think you got something figured out and you start trying to do it on your own. Right. Everything. I, I've discovered heaven today by backing up from hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> I've stumbled into a, a, a beautiful place, but it was yeah. only from being like, uh, 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 you, from, yeah. from, and, and what I've learned and where I'm at is specifically and, and distinctly by making so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. I've done it every version of wrong that I'm, yeah. uh, that I'm comfortable with doing. Yeah. I, I don't want to do it any more versions of wrong, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's a pretty fun place to be at. Right. You know? So that 12 years, you, you, got, you started getting around the sober community at all. Big time. You yeah. loved it. And I did, yeah. started really falling in love with sobriety. 100%. Right? I was introduced to a new way of living. Yeah. And then uh, what did you learn during that time about sobriety and, and yourself? And Yeah. Well, you know, I, I learned uh, in the mix, right, at the time, right. in the mix, felt pretty happy pretty driven um but of course still restless irritable and discontent i still Mm -hmm. believed back then that if i had a little more of this or if i you know if my abs showed more Mm -hmm. or if i had a little more muscle or if i had a new car or if i built a business big enough or if i had saved enough money if i had accomplished enough on the outside if i had a big enough following um you know if i were to get back on a tv i still believe something outside of me could improve my situation right although i had a much better life Mm -hmm. i was still very driven by self right and uh and of course i found myself uh restless irritable and discontent sure it's good but i need to make it better self-will right so i had a lot of self-will i was very driven yes i built a business yes i traveled around the world i produced 200 fashion shows i stayed dead sober i had no desire to drink right i'm in nightclubs i'm producing fashion shows i'm working with paris hilton i'm working with nikki hilton i'm working with the osbournes i'm Mm -hmm. working with uh, a a lot of big young jock chingy Birdman. they're Mm -hmm. like in my fashion shows and i'm like that's right you know i'm a tv star again and Mm -hmm. i'm doing big things again and lightning strikes twice and i'll show them and right this mm-hmm. kind of 
pride and ego thing. Yeah. And it worked for a while, you know, but I found myself cross addicting a lot. Now it's, it's, it's girls, you know, I'm willing to stay sober and go to the club and throw a big party and make the money. But when I go home, I need to bring a girl with me. If, mm. if I don't land a hot chick yeah. at this club, maybe that means I'm, I'm not good enough. Maybe right. it means I'm losing it. Oh my gosh, I'm getting too old. Right. Oh, people don't know who I am anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there was girls and it was gambling and right. it was, you know, so they're going to Vegas to shine and do right. the whole thing, you know, mm -hmm. put the whole show on um, and never really scratched the itch, never really quenched the thirst, returned to sanity. So the, the, the idea of a drink or a drug, I knew that would definitely pop the raft, right. you know, but I just felt like we needed some accoutrements. I needed the, sure. accoutrements. <laughs> I, I, I needed work. some extra, yeah. I needed some accoutrements. I needed some dressing mm -hmm. on this thing. So again, driven and, um, you know, I, I found it uh, 10 or 12 years later in a relationship, very um, attached to this title or this visual um, example of who I am as a champion jujitsu guy that's buff with a really hot girlfriend with a really nice house with cool cars mm -hmm. and uh, the guy that CEOs and celebrities and underwear models and, and, and world champion uh, bodybuilding competitors like they come to me like mm -hmm. I'm the mentor I'm the dietary coach I'm the lifestyle coach right. and um, you know all of that stuff can be taken away right all of that stuff is a false floor all of that stuff changes you know there's always somebody out there better than you yeah. There's always somebody out there younger than you. Always somebody out there stronger than you. Always somebody. Those millionaires can lose them. Those millionaires move to Dubai. You know. Yeah. And then now what do I have? Now I gotta find another millionaire. Right. Gotta find another millionaire to coach. Or I can't be what I need to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Seven areas of self: self-esteem, pride, security, ambition, personal relationships, sexual relationships, pocketbook. Yeah. I need my own perception, my own needs, my own wants, my own sense of security, how much money I need or you need to give me. I need all these boxes checked, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm relying on the world. Essentially, I got no God reliance. I got no God consciousness. I might do a prayer, you know? Right. I might tell you I believe till I'm blue in the face, mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden helping other people seems like a chore. Yeah. Seems laborious. These guys yeah. are idiots. They'll yeah. never get it. Why are they wasting my time? Right. You know, I got bigger. I got more important things to do. Yeah. And you know what? Now I'm just booked out and I'm too busy and I need more sleep, man. I don't have time to go mm -hmm. hang out with those dudes and be in a room full of people that really haven't figured it out because I'm 32 and I have 12 years sober. Right. I've, I got a doctorate in this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I may have gone through a rough patch, but you know, yeah. let, maybe I'll go back every year just to show everybody that it right. can be done. I'll yeah. do them a favor yeah. by showing them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. You know, driven by a hundred forms of fear yeah. and self delusion. Yeah. And I was, I was deep in it and it, I did it. It was mm. ideas. It was, you know, certain, self-righteous self i put myself in a self-imposed prison man you know it's funny my one of my uh mentors and in, in this whole sobriety world always talks about you know people that go out with time and you know i got sober at 22 and stayed sober till i was 30 yeah and went out and it's like it's always this and that and there's a story about the girl or the business but then it's always and then i got away from going to those things that i was supposed to go to 
on a daily basis and the meetings and the people that we hang out with. And yeah. that's, that seems to be the, the one thing that we all have in common yeah. when we go back out after some yeah. time is we just detach from our community. Yeah. I had that exact realization once. I was so in the story, right? right. She left me. She, my ex-wife developed some late onset, like schizophrenic, like delusional, you know, auditory, mm -hmm. visual, hallucinate, some really gnarly mental disorders, right? Mm -hmm. And I had invested into her, but she was gonna, we were gonna take over the world, you know? Mm -hmm. I couldn't have accounted for that. I didn't know that was gonna right. happen, right? So that really sent me on a spiral, mm -hmm. the story, right? The story, and I was sitting, I was sitting in a group once, and I had all that story. If this wouldn't have happened like that, I should have just done this instead of that. If I wouldn't have done this, I should, if I'm stronger here, blah, 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 blah. And then I looked at my buddies that I had more time than at one time, right? Mm -hmm. For the guys that I thought I was lending a helping hand to. And now yeah. they got 15 years sober and yeah. I have 15 days. Yeah. And they just started talking. I, was, I looked around the room at these old timers, man. My buddy has like 26 or 28 years sober. Um, the other guy had like 32 or something. My one buddy has 15. And I was like, it's a private little group. And I'm like, what is, I was like, wait a minute. They probably lost money or lost a job. They right. probably their mom. One of their moms yeah. died or sister. They all went through yeah. stuff. What is that? I was like, oh my gosh, they kept coming and I they didn't. Kept going to <laughs> That's it. <laughs> talk about it. talk about humility, That's it, right? Man. That's it. And I was like, yeah. wow, yeah. that's actually what really happened. Yeah. So tell me about the first time. So that twelve years, the first when you went out. Tell me that story, that, that first time you put a substance in your body. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story, you know. Um, I started off with prescribed medication, right? right? Wasn't out of control. Mm -hmm. I even had a few glasses of wine with the missus, you know. Mm -hmm. We were drifting apart. She was going into some hardships. Mm -hmm. I thought, man, I'm 12 years sober. We're going to Maui. We went to St. Bart's. You know, we're going down to the Omni in San Diego just for the weekend mm -hmm. with the dog. I'm doing well. There's no way a couple glasses of wine in the jacuzzi in a conversation right. would split a, a bottle, you know? Right. And I, we made a silly little pact. I said, all right, if I get out of hand, if I get weird, if I start craving drugs or doing, like, we'll, I'll just stop, you yeah. know? And uh, none of that really happened. We, it was, it was kind of chill for a year or so. Yeah. And then when... We broke up and got in this huge fight argument. And uh, I went over to a friend of mine's house. And oh, I had started taking some Xanax just to sleep because mm -hmm. the Adderall was kind of keeping me up too much. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even abusing, I was taking it less than prescribed. Mm -hmm. I was so proud of myself. Right. <laughs> and uh, so when the false floor fell out, when my little fantasy world that I thought I could control and manage, yeah. like, other normal people when that fantasy fell i was left with me and my feelings and the the mess that i had made and uh, i just started drinking real heavy right i started taking xanax real heavy just trying to blot out the miserable state of my mm -hmm. existence the bitter morass of of quick yeah. self-pity stretched out around me in all directions yeah. right here i am sinking and screw it i don't even care because it's all gone and and um after about a month of that misery i i looked at the girl and i said do you know anybody that can get meth you know right. and she said yeah 
So somebody comes over with some meth, and I went into the bathroom. Kind of ashamed, right? right. I don't want anybody to watch me do this. It's yeah. been, I'll, I'll get there. So I go in the bathroom. I got no shoes on. And uh, I'm sitting on the toilet. Got my utensils and supplies. And I look down at the top of my right foot. And on the top of my right foot is my sobriety date. 9-24-2000. This yeah. original sobriety date. And I thought about it for a second. I said, hey, what day is it? Like, it's Tuesday. I'm like, no, no, no. What's the date? September 24th, no, 2014. Wow. I hadn't Dude. smoked meth for 14 years. And it's that day. And I did it that Holy day. Holy smokes. Yeah. And that... I mean, again, yeah. just like before, man, you know, I have my buddies joke around with me. They call me and they're like, man, you were fine when you were on Coke. I don't know if you would have <laughs> never gone to the meth shit. You would have been fine. Why didn't you just stick with the Coke? Yeah. You know, and I wasn't doing so bad with yeah. the little bit of drinks and drugs. But yeah. honest to God, she was my she was my DLC. You right. know, the the unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Somehow I was so fixated and enmeshed and engrossed in her life that i was able to kind of mit mitigate damage and and manage my yeah. uh, consumption of other things but when she was gone you know so to the day 9 24 2000 from that day it was dude i got in so much trouble i mean it was horrible you know right. crashed cars arrested guns in my face kidnappings uh in and out of jail uh, living with gang members in the garage. My job was to go steal shit and bring it back. You yeah. know, as long as I went out and stole shit and brought it back, they'd take care of me. Right. Um, it was gnarly. It was gnarly. Heavy yeah. duty, weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of weird yeah. stuff. And so how long did that last? That lasted about a year. Okay. I don't think I've ever, in the past 22 years, I've been sober about 18 out of them. Yeah. I I, I last a day. Yeah. A, a year is the I, it's the longest yeah. I've ever gone. Yeah. Because it's I, even as a kid, I yeah. didn't last more than the winter. I always yeah. had to go. Yeah. You know, because I go so in. So was that run four hard. years four years ago before you got sober or this time or that yeah. run was that run was um, that run was a year, ended in looking at seven years in prison again. Okay. And it was very bleak. Yeah. It, it didn't look like there was any budge room, you know? So I went to uh, rehab again for four months, Pasadena Recovery Center, right. you know? And uh, then I went to go work at a rehab, stayed there for four months, you know? I think I, what did I, I like smoked weed, like I, I smoked a little bit of weed on a 4th of July, and I was like, why did I do that? Yeah. So I did a little bit of the, the, the three-month, six-month, nine-month yeah. thing, because yeah. I thought working in treatment was going to be like this new and incredible right. thing that was going to guarantee my sobriety, right. you know, which didn't happen. Right. Um, and I tried to get committed, and I tried to go and like do other stuff, and like it just didn't seem like stuff was sticking. Yeah. I think I got, I got two years again. And then I was just coming up on three. I had a sugar mama. I was all Gucci Louis. That whole thing happened to me again. Mm -hmm. um, and I went out. And so uh, I didn't get in a bunch of trouble. But this, this three years has been totally different. Yeah. Something really just popped. My head came out of my butt yeah. somehow, dude. So what happened the day you got sober? Which day? This, this, <laughs> this time. This time. So... I was living in sober living and I had been using meth and I was scared, right? This, uh, the last meth 
uh, relapse that I had, which was probably four years ago now. Um, I said I was going to do a week. It turned into off and on for two months. Mm -hmm. Really scared. Forgot I was an addict. I don't know how I keep doing that. And uh, so I went to rehab for two weeks on my own. First time I ever checked myself into a rehab. I didn't tear anything down. My family didn't know. My friends didn't know. Right. I didn't ruin anything yet. Right. You know. So I checked myself in, and then I went to sober living, and uh, was doing cool. You yeah. know. About 90 days into sober living, I started microdosing uh, mushrooms. Uh -huh. That seemed really great, man. Yeah. And then I was microdosing LSD, and that seemed awesome. Yeah. Smoking a little DMT. I mean, this is great. I'm in Laguna Beach with beautiful people. They're all spiritual and healthy. And um, on these psychedelics, I got hit with this big reality. Like, this voice came in my head. Yeah. And it said, Jeremy you're gonna be looking out of a little window in a concrete room for the rest of your life. You don't know how to control or manage. You are a criminal. And when you do drugs, you do criminal shit. Mm -hmm. And you're, gonna, you're, you're not fit for society and you're gonna to go to prison. Mm -hmm. You have to stop. The healing you must do moving forward must be raw and unenhanced. You have got to do the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Beep. The, the, you have got to do the beep. Yeah. And, and I was like, what? Yeah. Scared the crap out of me. It was so real, so honest, so authentic, so powerful, so non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Something about it was just too impactful to be reasoned with it right. okay okay i heard i heard i got it i that told on myself clarity, man. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. i told on myself at the sober living i yeah. went back i said you guys i've been i've been like taking stuff um let myself get in trouble recommitted yeah. doubled my efforts stopped worrying about relationships stopped worrying about jobs stopped worrying about money stopped worrying about how i look stopped worrying about anything but spiritual growth and developing a community around me monkey see monkey do if you're doing it and it works for you i'm going to do what you're doing i'm going to stop doing my way my version getting a little bit sidetracked i'm just i'm too scared yeah. to, to do it wrong anymore all i know how to do is do it a little bit wrong and a little bit wrong cost me everything every time i don't know why i think if i do this little 10 percent thing on the side that it won't bite me in the ass but it, uh, now i know empirically evidence proven it bites me in the ass every time i'm not going to do even a one percent thing right. that could cost me this this 99. Right. i need this 99 so and i need that 99 to be 100. Yeah. and maybe if that this this thing that i tried to do 60 percent, 70 percent, 80 percent, if it becomes 100 maybe then i'll be able to do stuff from this new foundation maybe mm -hmm. then but I'm going to put out, put off all of the other stuff for this and see what happens. Yeah. And I just, I surrendered and I did that and only that. And, um, here we are. That's a huge word, man. We surrender, you yeah. know, it took me a long time. You know, the first time I was sober in my twenties, I was like, you know, I always kind of thought, you know, I knew I needed to be sober and like you just chasing this and building businesses and yeah. stuff, 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 and how I looked and. And I always kind of had in my mind that maybe it was a phase or, you know, it was young. Right. And, Same you thought. Know, mm -hmm. I went out and, you know, when I decided to come back years later, I couldn't, you know, <sighs> I yeah. did a week, a month. Uh, I did that. Know? Yeah. And it's What's like, wrong? 
had a guy tell me one time in a meeting, just because you want to get sober doesn't mean you get to get sober. Right. And I, I, and I went home that night, and that was my last drink. And I got drunk, not very drunk, but a little drunk. Uh-huh. And that guy's voice just over and over and over in my Ooh. head, same thing. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I got to work those steps. I and I got to totally buy in. Yeah. And I think that that's my biggest asset in sobriety now is knowing that yeah. I can get back to that point yeah. and knowing that I have no choice if I want to have any kind of life that I got to right. keep my sobriety first. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And I love this paradoxical yeah. way of living, man. It's like, if I want to win, I got to surrender. Right. If I want to receive, I've got to give. Right. Right. If I want to awaken, I got to yeah. die to my old self. Yeah. The, the yesterday's me gets loaded today. Yeah. I, 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 right. The, the, the spiritual experience of right. yesterday does not have me happy, joyous, and free. Yesterday's shower doesn't have me clean today. Right. Yesterday's meal doesn't keep me fed. It's a yeah. daily thing. A daily reprieve. Yeah. Contingent on our spirit. Condition. I'll forget, yeah, yeah. and I won't even know that I forget. I'll think right. that I remember. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 So talk to me this this three years, man. What's that been like? And and you know, I, I you've obviously kind of said what's different. But yeah. Like, in your actions and your daily life and your Dude. attitude, like what are you what are you up to now? And it's a trip, man. Um, you know, Taoism, uh, quantum mechanics. Uh, philosophy, yeah. Christianity, psychology, like all of a sudden, all this stuff makes sense to me. Right. Like I know what they're talking, like I have, I've had my own experience that when I hear the stuff right. that I've been hearing for years, I'll be listening to a song uh, that I've heard yeah. 50,000 times. And all yeah. of a sudden it's like I heard it for the first time. Yeah. When the student is ready, the master appears. Right. And for me, I thought I was ready. I wanted to be ready uh, for so long, right? Yeah. I, I thought if I just did the stuff, if I did the homework, if I checked the boxes, if I gave rides to newcomers, uh, if I had a commitment, then that means I'm doing it. Right. But like, like you said, just because you want it doesn't mean you're going to get it. Right. Like the surrender is something so magic. The window is so mm-hmm. magic that we got to do everything. I got to do everything in my power to keep it. Right. I got to stay surrendered. Right. So when now I used to hear when the student is ready, the master appears and I would be like, okay, I got to get ready to be this person that is ready to get the message that yeah. other people will show up in my life with some new information when I am sharp enough, when I am regimented enough, when I am disciplined enough, when I'm working hard enough. And when I hear that statement today, what I think is like all of the lessons, all of the beauty, all of the God, all of the abundance, all of the blessings are at our fingertips 24-7. Right. We just are too blind to see them. Sure. And usually because we're thinking about something stupid, small, right. anxious, not in the moment, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm tapping into this fundamental awareness of God, which mm-hmm. we talk about, right? In all places, mm-hmm. at all times, in all things, ever present. Yeah. The message, the lesson is ever present. Mm-hmm. always rising and gaining in spiritual awareness one moment at a time, one day at a time. And it's not a thing I'm chasing. It's a thing I'm part of. Mm-hmm. The relationship to be part of that is crazy. Yeah. And like I said, I'll, I'll listen to something that I've listened to a million times and I'm like, oh, 
I know what they're talking about. Quantum, right. quantum physics, going from one place to an entirely new place, going from material to energy, right. from matter to wave. I'm like, dude, I've done yeah. that. I, I've been reborn. Like, yeah. th- it's a, I'm not the guy I used to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, letting go of our old ideas. And until we, the, we did, the, the result was nil. And Taoism da- says uh, the sage has no goals. Mm-hmm. Therefore, everything he does is a success. Right. And I'm like, oh, I get that. Right. It wasn't until I let go that I was afforded this massive opportunity yeah. that was beyond my comprehension before. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have even envisioned it. Albert Einstein says that the mind that created the problem is not the mind that can solve the problem. In order to solve the problem that I created, I must have a new awareness. Mm-hmm. I must be in expanded in consciousness. And this, these lessons, these blessings, this ever present it's it's willing to provide everything i need yeah and just how in its way am i going to be yeah how married am i to my little plans and ideas yeah so i'm just like just down to let go i'm just down to just get naked and just surrender surrender it's the secret weapon it's everything i've ever needed right? right so uncommon sense becomes common sense yeah right the stuff that there's no way there's no way you don't understand I have yeah. got to look a certain way right. and I've got to have a thing ready because I got to get this job because if I get that job, then I'm going to have this thing and then I'll be able to afford the apartment. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It right. actually doesn't. Right. But I, I used to think it did. Yeah. And, and it's just life has become inside out. And, yeah. and I don't think anything short of that is keeping anybody sober. Yeah. We need a sufficient substitute. It's got to be bigger than anything we've ever experienced. Yeah. Or I'm going to go back to the old familiar. Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have to I have to continue to take those leaps. I have yeah. to continue to to flex that faith. Yeah. I got to continue to jump, trust the process. Right. God and others, yeah. you know, less me. Yeah. More you, right. less me, more God and then all of a sudden I'm like on a flying carpet ride of life, like right. woohoo! How did I get here? Yeah. It sure wasn't me, because I would have, I would have shit this bed a long time right. ago. So then you, you got to give the credit to something else, right. because it's absolutely nothing you would have yeah. manufactured. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's man. awesome, man. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about what's the day in the light life of Jeremy Jackson look like now? Yeah, you know, you get up at. We were talking before this. You get up early. Yeah. You do jiu-jitsu yeah. every day, yeah. 6 a.m. That's right. Yeah. Roll around with Clifton and some old guys, right? Hang so, out with the yeah. homies. Yeah. Time well spent. I, I, I like to get up early <coughs> in the morning. Um, I've recently, you know, had a cold and God was in Costa Rica and that was like tested and I was found myself, you know, getting down on myself for mm-hmm. not sticking to my formula. And then there's a whole new lesson like, mm-hmm. okay, if it's not going your way all over again, just because right. you thought your way was great, you know? Right. So I, I actually made myself get a little sicker by trying to push the agenda. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, what a, what a good day looks like is, uh. Up at 5 a.m., I, uh, I like to post a daily reading. I was sending it out to a couple hundred people every day, mm-hmm. which is from one of my favorite authors, Emmett Fox. Mm-hmm. And uh, that got a little uh, time-consuming. It was taking me over an hour. So um, I switched to posting it online right. and text everybody, hey, check it out right here. Yeah. So um, that's cool. 
jujitsu or the gym at 6 a.m. I come home, shower, shower change, pack my food, hang out with my lovely girlfriend. I go to work from 9 to about 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I do three, sometimes four groups, but mostly mm -hmm. just three groups at different treatment centers. So I get to drive around. I'm cruising down PCH. Sometimes yeah. a tear will just come in my eye, man. Yeah. I'm like, look at this. I get to drive down PCH mm -hmm. every day on my way to work to spend an hour with some people. How cool is that? Dude? Isn't that cool? We're just getting moments of gratitude out of yeah. nowhere. I mean, yeah. I got it today. I was like, you know, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I'm gonna have three, all three of my kids under one roof, which they're ages 26 to four. Yeah. So they're never under one roof. Yeah. And it's just a cool thing. And I just got like, kind of like this moment of day, you know, and I don't yeah. get that unless I'm sober. Right. And, right. You know, or out of present. myself and present. And those are the things that just make it worth it. Prices. You know, and Prices. when I was using and in my, stuff you know yeah. so i love my kids it's a nightmare love, that yeah. they would be all together yeah. under run roof yeah. because that's going to be like, chaotic and you're going to have to hide more and i mean i was missing christmas and oh you know, not showing up and swear know. we were going to yeah. make it yeah swore we were going to make yeah. it. i'm going to get there right dude couldn't get there <laughs> yeah so, and, then, and then uh you know what a blessing i get to get done at 2 30 i run a couple little errands make some calls i got a lot of guys that i mentor and work with and um get to a little uh, spiritual uh, gathering, fellowship meeting around 5.30. I'm home at 7. And, uh, you know, I get to wind down, maybe do some notes it. and crash out pretty yeah. early. Do it all over again, yeah. man. Yeah. All right, last question. For that person that's struggling right now in their addiction, in their alcoholism, feeling like there's no hope, what's your message for them? The message is, it's a tough one, man that uh, the struggle is not real. The struggle is an idea in which you happen to be familiar with. It is a familiar past. It's based on all of your experiences and your traumas and your perspective of life. And letting go of that taking the leap into the unknown, the unfamiliar, the uncomfortable, having some trust and some faith, that Hail Mary. Put up that Hail Mary, man. Shoot the shot and let us help you. Because if you continue to believe and experience and know only what you know, nothing changes. But there's huge breakthroughs on the other side of that jump. You've just yet to experience them. And people can tell you about how great it is till, you're, till they're blue in the face, but you have to experience it. And once you know, you can never not know. And once you know, and you know you can't not know, you can continue to change anything. Because if you can choose, change one thing, you can change anything. And you'll be introduced to a new sense of personal power and uh, a new way of living. And we want to give it to you, and we want to give it to you for free. We want to help you with all of our experience. So that struggle, it's an illusion, although it feels very, very real. It's a web of lies that you can continue to experience, or you can jump out of the frying pan and get in the fire with us. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Love well, you, buddy. Thanks for coming in, Jared. Love you, too, <laughs> Thank man. you, Chris. That was awesome. All Appreciate right, brother. You, brother. All right.